Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. We are episode five or six at this point. I can't remember exactly how many it has been, but we are excited to be back. Week zero of college football is over with. We're going into week one. We're going to talk about Sam Hartman because I think out of everything that happened in week zero, that is the the biggest storyline coming from week zero. But as always, I got to start off with Ian. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. We are week zero was kind of a tame introduction to the college football season. We know, you know, as scouts, week one is going to come around and it's going to be just an avalanche of film from that point on each week. So it's going to be a lot to keep up with for sure. But we're we're in it now. You know, we're getting started. And, you know, I I like kind of being eased into it. Right. You know, week one, if week one just hits just like that, you've got dozens of games to follow right away. So this kind of gives us a little primer. And it was a fun one. I mean, you you got to start with Sam Hartman, uh, 19 of 23, 251 yards, four touchdowns in his Notre Dame debut. Uh, productive, as always. He's He started this year in reach of the all-time college football passing touchdowns record uh, for a career. So uh, we'll have to see if he breaks it, man. He's got he's, he's off to a good start. But, um, you know, I feel like it's, it's a natural segue for us because before we get into the week one preview, we're, we're going to preview some team matchups today and then get into prospect matchups on Thursday. But some, we want to talk a little bit more about the quarterback class because there is so much to talk about. So we reviewed uh, quarterbacks 6 through 10 last week and the week before, quarterbacks 1 through 5. So if you want to watch or listen to those podcast episodes, go back and do that. But today, we're getting to the guys just outside the top 10 because it is a deep, talented quarterback class. And uh, there's a lot of ground to cover. But it makes sense to start with Sam Hartman after the performance mm-hmm. he had. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that I noticed from it was just the dude's toughness. Um, he's he's obviously like got the the look. He's got a little bit of the like the Will Greer, Trill Greer yeah. look to him. He's got the fantastic beard. He looks like you know a, a quarterback that would be on, on the tougher side. But even when he was pressured, I mean, he got absolutely obliterated a couple of times and still was able to deliver passes. Nineteen of twenty three. If things stood as they were today throughout the entire season, he would absolutely obliterate the efficiency record. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But yes, he was incredibly efficient, effective, and that wasn't in perfect conditions because although it was Navy, that Navy team was a little bit down, their wide receivers were just bigger, more physical than the Navy uh, cornerbacks were, he still had to make the throws and he had to make those throws under a lot of duress a lot of the time. So it was cool to see him be so comfortable with people, not just bearing down at him, but bearing down at his knees, at his ankles at times. Uh, So I thought that that was a really nice little treat uh, for the first game of college football. Yeah, it's it's really fun to watch quarterbacks who can operate with that kind of poise, because when you think about poise, you know, it's not just standing tall. Right. It's really easy to feel claustrophobic in the pocket. Right. You know, especially when you've got your eyes downfield, you're trying to make your reads and survey the field when, you know, at the same time, you've got interior pressure threats coming. You've got looping pressure guys who, you know, you got to try and feel and sense those guys, you know, optimally. And Sam Hartman is one of those quarterbacks who I wrote up his scouting report ahead of the game. It'll be up soon on PFN. But some. You know, he's a guy who he's over he's overage. He's going to be a 25 year old rookie. Uh, he doesn't have great tools. And I think that's evident, too. You know, he's a good athlete. He's good enough as an athlete to get out and escape when he needs to. Doesn't have a great arm. Right. You don't see a ton of velocity generation. That's very clear. But another thing that is very distinct in his game, you know, very few quarterbacks have the poise that he does to just remain completely composed in your in your in, in phase, you know, in your stance, you know, not exiting that stance. We talked a little bit about J.J. McCarthy. 
uh, last week where, you know, he's he's a great creator, but when he encounters pressure, right, it's really easy for his process to kind of erode right now, right? So, you know, staying poised and staying composed and staying on schedule with your reads and with your mechanics uh, while there's pressure coming, it's really hard to do that, right? And Sam Hartman makes it look effortless, right? And the situational accuracy on some of his throws too, putting it where only his receivers can get it, leading mm-hmm. them away from tight coverage, right? You know, just things like that. You look at that, and you say, I probably wouldn't draft him in the early rounds because of those diluting factors. But if he's tough, if he's poised, if he's composed, and if he can make use of his accuracy in those tight situations and, and throw open his receivers, that at the very least, those are traits that I'm looking for in a quality safety blanket on day three, right? So, you know, round five, round seven, if he's still there, you know, I, if I have an extra pick, I'm definitely locking him down to get that kind of security blanket for my QB room. Yeah, and and it's it's funny because you you talked about him possibly breaking the touchdown record this year in college football for the all time. And I think what we've seen a lot recently are some of these guys who are coming out of nowhere and playing well as rookies or or young players. It's guys who played a ton of football at the college level. Uh, You look at in New England with Bailey Zappi, somebody, you know, who threw for a billion yards in college football. Those guys, they have the experience, they have the confidence to go in and just play the game. They're, they're not really thinking, they're not really learning much more at this mm-hmm. point in their careers. Uh, but when you look at a guy like Hartman, the first thing that came, came to my mind when watching him against Navy was Taylor Heineke-esque. I don't quite know if he has the same type of athleticism to get out of the pocket and consistently create on, on his legs, but with that ability to take hits and get right back up, uh, it, the, the toughness in his game mixed with the lack of physical tools kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Heineke, who has seen a little bit of success as a spot starter in the NFL. So you never know with a guy like that, um, somebody who's played a ton of football, it, it could be a lot of fun to see, you know, where he goes at the NFL level and, and see if he can stick on somewhere. But uh, we have more quarterbacks to talk about, and it's going to get very confusing because there's about a one-letter difference between two of the guys, um, and they are both very efficient passers. But we're not going to start there. We're going to start with Will Howard, Kansas State's quarterback. Yeah, this is a fun quarterback class, and we've established that already. But uh, you know, just to rehash our one through five, I believe was Caleb Williams, Drake May. Uh, I want to say Riley Leonard was three. Who was no. Three? Bo, Bo Nix. That's right. No, it was three. Bo Nix and then Jordan you made Travis. These rankings. I forgot two of them, man. I swear. I swear. Today's not my day. Uh, Bo Nix and Jordan Travis were three and four. Then Riley Leonard was five. And let's see if I can get six to ten. That, that one's a little fresher. We got, I know Spencer Rattler was 10. Jeff Sims mm-hmm. was nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoot. All right. That's it. I got, I got number nothing. S- number six was JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy. Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers was seven. And then number eight was. Oh, it was uh, Michael Penix. Michael there Penix. we go. There we we go. got it. We worked we our way it. through. Yeah, guys, go back and listen to those podcasts or watch them on YouTube. Make sure that you guys are following us on YouTube or, or subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure that you guys are following us wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you guys are giving us those five-star reviews because they help get us out there into the Just internet. Ether. Basically, any button you can Spam click. It. Except Spam the, it. Except the dislike button. Except yeah, the dislike yeah, button. Yeah, any, any sure, button. Sure, yeah, we got to make that clarification. You can right. send me DMs on Twitter if you dislike me. But. But don't go. do it on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get to it. You know Will Howard. You have full notes on him. So I'm going to just give you the floor because I haven't seen him. Yeah, he was one that I wanted to uh, kind of get more in depth with because watching that Kansas State offense was actually quietly a very efficient offense. I mean, obviously – they won the Big 12 championship last year, so they were doing something right. Uh, but they had a few really good players. I know Ben Sinnott 
at tight end uh, is very good. Cooper Beebe on the interior offensive line could be an early round pick. Uh, but then I think the guy under center, Will Howard, man, uh, he quietly hold, very- hold on. I got I got to stop you real quick. Yeah. We cannot talk about Kansas State, especially last year, without talking about the Dallas Cowboys MVP, the small Deuce running Vaughn. back yes, Deuce sir. Vaughn. We had to, I know that he's not no longer in college football and he's not draft eligible anymore, so we don't have to talk about him. But as a Cowboys guy, I, I have to bring up Deuce Vaughn whenever there is a mention of Kansas State. No, man, I can't believe I forgot him too, man. I mean, he he was one of the most dynamic players in college football, and you know, I'm, I was so excited to see him drafted and. But yeah, I mean, that entire offense, they had good weapons, they had good blocking, but it was the guy under center who I thought really gave them the security, the stability that they needed uh, to kind of carry on and, and reach that pinnacle. And that was Will Howard. I think, you know, he was a guy who really early in his career kind of got thrown into the fire um, a little, not not completely like Jeff Sims, right? Because Will Howard had a kind of a, a, a lull where he was completely a backup, right? Didn't get a ton of, he got some time to kind of recalibrate behind the scenes. But, you know, he did get thrown into the fire a bit, was a little unstable early on, uh, but got his chance. I believe it was Adrian Martin. It was, shoot, it was either Adrian Martinez or someone else who was their starter early on last year and ended up uh, not holding the job. And Will Howard took it and, and ran with it and was a very efficient passer the rest of the way through. Uh, but he's a guy who 6'5", 242, definitely stands out on the field. He's got that prototypical frame. And I think he's got pretty solid physical talent for his size, too. He doesn't have an elite arm, and that's very clear. I think he has enough arm strength to work. I think he's got good arm elasticity, too. The angle freedom is definitely present with him. Not an elite creator, right? When you think of 6'5", 242, you're thinking, all right, is he Josh Allen? No, he's not Josh Allen. But he does have enough functional mobility to work off script, I think, and that's valuable. Uh, for me, you know, some of the, the best traits in his game you know i thought he was a pretty good processor right for his experience level not having a ton of starting experience but i think he clearly took that time behind the scenes off the field and used it to kind of hone his game and and really kind of learn the game uh, on a fundamental level and now he's gotten to a point where you know you see him working right to left on progressions you know while he's managing space in the pocket that kind of multitasking ability is is there you know we've mentioned before you're processing a lot of information from snap to snap as a quarterback. And I think the two bedrock things that Will Howard shows to me, you know, that angle, that kind of leverage awareness as a passer, the processing ability, the progression work, and then also the pocket management. This is a guy who he's shown that he can sense looping pressure at depth and step up into the pocket. He's shown that he can, you know, use micro movements and side steps to kind of evade pressure and, you know, expand his time in the pocket. Uh, so those two things to me, you know, are very valuable. Those kind of foundational elements of quarterback play. And Will Howard has that, right? And then on top of that too, you know, he has good general accuracy. I think the situational precision could improve a little bit. And that kind of stems from some mechanical issues. But being a younger quarterback, that's something that's going to show up. I think with another year of full-time starting work, we could really start to say, and he's already very efficient with, you know, those mechanical issues aside, right? So I think, you know, already having that able processing ability, that pocket navigation ability, and the baseline physical talent, you know, does he have NFL starter upside? I'm not quite there, but I I could see him commanding mid-round capital as kind of like we discussed with Sam Hartman, a guy who's got that ability to be a quality safety blanket. And I do think he has a, a higher ceiling than Hartman. I think you've got, you know, size adjusted, especially the size adjusted athleticism, I think is superior and then the arm is good enough uh, where if he did get spot starter reps, he could run with it. So, you know, Will Howard is a guy I'm looking at as a sleeper. You know, they've got good blocking again on the offensive line. Ben Sinnott, I think a tight end is very underrated. My tight end too, a uh, very good athlete, very versatile player. And then they've got some weapons as well. Treshawn Ward coming through the transfer portal. 
I'm excited to see what he can do because I do think you've got the baseline physical talent, the processing, the pocket navigation, just the general foundational elements of good quarterback play. I love it. But you know what I love more? What? The Slim Reaper. The Slim LSU Reaper. quarterback Jaden Daniels. Uh, this is somebody who I have been enamored with ever since he stepped on foot on the field for Arizona State as a freshman. Uh, he came on at the same time in 2019 as Devontae Smith was breaking out in his like 17 billion yard season at Alabama. So there were two Slim Reapers at the time, and Jaden Daniels was trying to fight for the top spot there with Devontae Smith. Smith obviously ended up being a first-round pick. Jaden Daniels is still in college five years later, so I, I think we know who won that battle in the end. But he obviously needed a new situation outside of Arizona State. He, things did not go well for him, especially during the two COVID years. He just was not the same player, did not have the same type of efficiency, goes to LSU, did not have an easy battle with Garrett Nussmeyer behind him. Garrett really pushed him and looked very good after Jane Daniels was injured late last year. But I think when you look at him, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. And I think that even if you don't end up getting starting caliber play from him at the NFL level, he's somebody who, first of all, is no longer a slim reaper. He he has very, very narrow clavicles, so his shoulders aren't very big, so he's never going to look like a physically imposing player. But he's listed at 210 pounds now. He was probably 170 pounds as a freshman, so he has definitely put the work in and put the meals in to gain that weight that he needed to gain and still has not lost that athleticism, and that's what makes Jaden Daniels, I say, special, special to me. His ability to create is some of the best in this entire draft class. And even if he doesn't end up being a, a day one or a day two pick, I think that he's somebody who very much like in Baltimore uh, with Tyler Huntley, Tyler Huntley, another guy who I thought could have been drafted a little bit higher than he was, somebody who can be behind a mobile starting quarterback where you don't have to change the offense at all. And I think with Daniels especially, he's somebody who I like the mental side of his game quite a bit. I think that when I saw him, the thing that I was most impressed with going from Arizona State to LSU was the confidence that he has attacking zone coverage at this point, especially in the quick game. And you see this a lot, like even with guys like Justin Fields, somebody who I'm a very, very big fan of um, in Chicago, the quick game is such an important aspect that we kind of undervalue. I think a lot of the times when we talk about quarterbacks, because it's 65 to 70% of an offense at this point, mm -hmm. you want to get the ball out quick. You don't want to have to protect a guy for three plus seconds. And I think that Jaden Daniels does a really good job of making the correct decision and getting the ball out of his hands very quick. I also think that he is a fantastic creator. The arm is funny because I think that he has a good arm. The problem with him is sometimes when he does get out of structure and he does have to create, uh, the ball just does not come out of his hands very well. And as a quarterback back in the day in high school, I can relate to that quite well because there's sometimes where that ball just absolutely flutters out of your hands and does not go where you want it to go. And there are some really, really bad misses in his game. But I do think generally – when he's throwing in rhythm, he is very good. I, I particularly like the way that he sequences throwing to his right, that short right area. I think it's a really tough thing for quarterbacks to do. And he has that fluidity to his entire frame. You know, a lot of it probably because he's not a very big guy. He has a ton of flexibility in his motion. 
and think that he uses arm angles well. But outside of all of that, it's his ability as a runner that really takes it to the next level. And I think as a spot starter, backup type guy in the NFL, he's somebody who can come in and actually make a difference for a couple of games before the league starts to kind of figure out how to defend him. A little bit like Taylor Heineke, um, mm-hmm. somebody who has come in and won games at the NFL level, but obviously Jane Daniels is much more athletic overall than Taylor Heineke. And I think, again, we go back to it, he is incredibly experienced, and that type of experience gives these guys, more often than not, the confidence to come in at the NFL level and go and go running. So I am excited about what I'm going to see from him on the number five ranked LSU Tigers this year. He's got Malik Neighbors there on the outside, somebody who he can just trust to catch the football, even if he is completely draped. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's another thing. The situational ball placement that he has has been very, very good at times. I just think that overall, down-to-down consistency is where you really need to see him improve passing the ball, um, and some of the the downfield work a little bit more, uh, ironing that out. And I think that you're looking at a guy who might be able to elevate himself into day two. I'm a, a little bit biased, obviously. I'm a big fan of his, um, but I, I, he's he's just so much fun t- for me to watch, man. And and honestly, when you look at it, might be the best quarterback in the SEC. Yeah, for sure. Hang on real quick. I got to stop the stopwatch. All right. Dalton <laughs> talked about Slim Reaper for 20 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I think um, a lot of it's interesting the way we talk about him. You know, I think uh, and this isn't a comparison by any means, but a lot of similarities to DTR from UCLA. Yes. Last, last cycle, you know, a little bit thinner, leaner, but experience, right? A, a little bit of volatility that's kind of precipitated throughout his career but does have that good operational ability. I think DTR was a little bit smoother off script. You mentioned the ball doesn't mm-hmm. always come out yeah. of his hand cleanly. I agree with that. But um, in the short game too, when I was watching Jaden Daniels, um, you know, the way that he sequenced his mechanics, I, you said the word sequencing. I agree with that completely because, you know, he gets that back foot back first to torque the hips, places the front foot, and then just kind of flows through. It's very fluid for him in the in the short range. And that's what you want to see because operating the quick game, being able to create with your legs, and he's got that spry lateral athleticism, the speed, right? The he makes dudes miss. Yeah, yeah, he's slippery, man. That's what I that's what I've noticed is that he's got that ability to make guys miss. And that's fun. You know, that that's very actionable at the NFL level. So like DTR, who's already made strides with the Browns, right? You know, I could see him commanding a mid-round pick and being that that backup who can create in adverse situations when he needs to. Athleticism is a common theme for most of these guys that we've got listed, in fact. And let's go to the confusing third quarterback who is very similar phonetically to Jaden Daniels, Jalen Daniels from Kansas. Um, have you watched him at all? I want to I get you in first real quick. You haven't at all? I have, I have not yet, no. But okay. I, I do know... I believe he was the most efficient quarterback in college football last year. Yeah, for sure. He um, let me pull up his passing stats here, but um, yeah, he completed I want to say 152 of 230 passes, almost oh, over 66 percent, over 2,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, just four interceptions, and then as a runner as well, 77 carries, 425 yards, seven touchdowns. So a guy who's got that dual sided value as a runner and a thrower. Uh, that shows up for him. So Jalen Daniels is one that I'm very much looking forward to watching this year. Uh, he's one of those quarterbacks who, you know, it was his first year starting, so definitely needs a little more refinement. 
but um, six foot two twenty is what he's listed at. I definitely think he's a little bit denser than a guy like Jalen Daniels. Um, but he's a very fun runner as well. You know, he's agile. Uh, he's got that in his in his kind of compartment. But you know, what stood out to me is you know explosive. They they kind of design runs for him in that offense. So he's not just a creator. He is an actual running threat who can add that dimension as a weapon on on the ground. And then he's got the flexibility to kind of sustain acceleration as he's threatening upfield. He's got good speed and space. So the running element is there with Jalen Daniels. And then on top of that, too, um, in the pocket, you know, we mentioned he was extremely efficient as a passer. There are legitimate flashes of good operational ability from him. Now, I do think, you know, mechanically, he needs to be a little more controlled at times. I think the release in particular, you know, he's got really free flowing arm elasticity and angle freedom. And that shows up. I mean, he's a guy who can sidearm it, right? He can sustain velocity from a number of different slots. But with that comes some volatility with your release points. Sometimes he kind of overhands it a little bit because he's kind of clutching that a little too far. That can lead to low misses, some accuracy volatility. So I want to see him improve that. Uh, but with more time, I think that'll happen, right? And then there are times where he's surveying the middle of the field and he's looking off the linebacker at the middle of the field, you know, we, with that first window throw actively kind of keeping his eyes forward, freezing the linebacker. And then he's got the receiver on the hitch on the right side, just diverts immediately. So he does have an awareness of how to use eye manipulation to free up windows in the, in the short range too, which is valuable, especially when you're talking about rhythm and, and kind of the, those quick game throws. He's got that. And then on top of that too, arm strength is there with him we've seen him push it past the numbers you know diagonally right to the intermediate range he's got that ability and then the arm elasticity to kind of layer velocity and touch so you know we talk about these high level traits i think they're all there with jalen daniels he's not a guy that i've graded yet because i think we need a higher sample size from him but i would not be surprised if with another year of growth we could see him enter the top 10 conversation and maybe the early round conversation because of the size uh, the density, at least the creation ability, the arm talent, the strength, and then the the building blocks on the mental side are all there. So I'm excited to see what he can do. A guy that we're kind of more in wait and see mode, right? But a guy who definitely has all of the foundational traits physically uh, that you look for to actually command early round capital. So he's a guy, write him down, you know, underline his name, keep him, keep him in the vault because even in this deep class, he could amount to something greater. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up eye manipulation because that's something that I omitted to talk about um, when I was talking about Jaden Daniels of LSU, um, something that he does really well at, and that just comes uh, usually with experience. But if somebody like Jalen Daniels is doing yeah. that as a first-time starter, that's that's some big stuff because that mm -hmm. that is high level. Uh, to be able to move guys with your eyes and then attack that area that you were just manipulating is is what you want to see from a quarterback especially a young guy like Jalen. so i'm excited about that you you really kind of talked him uh talked him up i'm, I'm gonna have to turn on that kansas state tape but uh the next guy we're gonna talk about because i figured we might as well just go back and forth here we were gonna do cameron ward next but i'm gonna take my time to speak and i'm gonna talk yeah, about kj i'm gonna talk about kj jefferson um, because I feel like I need to. I feel like I need to make this public service announcement. <laughs> he's a he's a guy that I haven't gotten a ton of exposure to. So big bodied guy. Uh, he's definitely been productive. But talk to us about about what you've seen because you're the SEC guy. You've got the uh, the most exposure. I uh, I have watched a lot of KJ Jefferson, and my overall take for him is that he is an athlete and he is a thrower, but he's not quite a quarterback. And I think when you watch somebody like him, the first thing that came into my mind when I watched him play was Tyree Jackson, who I'm not saying that KJ Jefferson has to become a tight end, 
Could he do it with his frame? Yes. He's six foot three. He is a legitimate 250 pounds. He is an animal. Is he athletic enough to be? Yes. Is he athletic enough to be an absolute weapon on the ground as a quarterback? Yes. But he is more of a passer than a than a quarterback. And that is just not going to work at the next level. He is decent uh running RPO. Um but when you get into straight drop back, it, it's really, really tough for him. He doesn't have the operational side of things down. And I think when you look at a guy who is now going into his third year as a starter, uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to get that. I, I think that there's other issues as well for me. He's very mechanical in the way that he throws. And, you know, some guys are able to get away with that, but it really affects his ball placement and accuracy in the short areas because he doesn't have that arm elasticity. He doesn't have the flexibility to really get himself in a good proper situation sequencing. So there are inconsistencies in the short area. I think that, you know, with a guy like him, you expect him to have a little bit more of an arm than he does. There's a little bit of Mason Rudolph to his game where the big strong dude who just doesn't really have, again, the flexibility in his frame to really generate that torque and velocity in his midsection. Because a lot of what you get from a quarterback doesn't all come from that shoulder and the arm. Some guys are able to create ridiculous velocity just from that, but a lot of guys need to use their entire bodies. And that's how a guy like Baker Mayfield is able to generate very good velocity. It's through that torquing. Um, and he doesn't really have that all of the time. It's very inconsistent velocity. Some things that I do like, as I said, he is a good passer. So just naturally, when he's in rhythm, very nice arm, very good accuracy. I actually really like what I've seen from him situationally uh, from a ball placement perspective down the field. And then, yes, at the end of the day, he is six foot three, 250 pounds, and a very, very good athlete. So he creates an extra gap for a defense to defend. And when you have him and Raheem Rocket Sanders yeah. in the backfield, that backfield you can... You can you can terrify some very, very good football teams if you're able to keep up defensively, which, you know, maybe Arkansas can do and maybe they can't. He's been effective for them. Nine and four uh, a couple of seasons ago in his first year as a starter. And then last year, a little bit worse, seven and six. But he's been very productive. He's been efficient as a passer, even though there are real concerns with him as a passer. And I think that the offense um, – there are a lot of manufactured touches getting the ball around the line of scrimmage. And that's just kind of the offense that you get uh, when you are a lower level SEC team trying to compete against the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world. You got to run a, a, a heavy dose of RPOs. And I think that that offense doesn't lend itself to him necessarily growing mentally as a passer. So he might have to do that at the NFL level as a day three pick or an undrafted free agent. I think that he has a long way to go before I would consider him a draftable product, but I can, I understand the want, the desire and the, um, I'm trying to think of the word here. The, the, I, I understand the want to mm -hmm. want him to be awesome. You understand why there's some interest there. Yes, the the, the, the interest is easy. He's yeah. got a decent arm. He's again six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds, and Dude's like a a, and like a great athlete. Like he's not somebody who is just fast. He's not somebody who is just powerful. He's when he's moving, he's pretty spry too. 
but he just operationally yeah. as a quarterback, it's not all there for him. And that's the thing too, you know, the, the biggest thing that I, I got to watch a little bit of him. And the thing that stood out to me the most is that as big as he is, you don't see the ball pop out of his hand with the velocity that you would want, right? You know, it doesn't have, it's not a liability from arm strength, but you know, especially earlier in the cycle, you know, there were some, there were, were some notions across the consensus that maybe this could be a guy who challenges for round one capital. I don't know if I'm there yet, just because operationally, like you said, a lot of work to do. And even then, you know, when you look at guys who have work to do operationally, you want the physical talent to kind of counteract that. And he's a good athlete. He's a great athlete for his size, but the arm strength to me is not there. And that's just just as, if not more important, if you're delineating between a starter and a backup at the NFL level. Yep. Yep, I totally, I, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> we got one gonna, more, right? Cameron yeah, Ward, Washington State. We're gonna move State. on. Cam Ward, Washington State. Somebody who there, there's some people that really, really enjoy Cam Ward. I haven't gotten to see much of him yet. How do you feel about him? Yeah, I've gotten to watch a little bit. I think, um, you know, an, an argument that we made for Caleb Williams, right? For uh, a negative for him is that he creates some of the chaos that he gets, that he navigates through, right? I think you can say a similar thing for Cameron Ward. I think Cameron Ward is, you know, we've talked about Williams and Quinn Ewers too as a quarterback who, you know, is so good flowing through that chaos, but sometimes they just kind of, they're just kind of freeloading out there, just kind of free playing, doing what they want to do. Um, and I think Cameron Ward is kind of in that same mold where he still needs more discipline and maturity in his game as a passer, both from a pocket navigation standpoint, you know, from a mechanical standpoint. So, you know, looking at that, I think that's something he can clean up, but you know, the arm talent, the arm elasticity, those are things that are absolutely, you know, there to the highest degree with Cameron Ward. I mean, he's a guy who makes, you know, sidearm throws and underhand throws and just the angle freedom look effortless when he's off platform to, you know, really good hip flexibility. And I think that's another thing that stands out with him. And one thing that we've, we've mentioned time and time again, with guys like Bo Nix too, you know, the change of direction. Uh, to evade pressure threats and create inside and outside the pocket. You know, Quinn Ewers is a guy who doesn't quite have that change of direction, right? You know, he's a guy who's, you know, fluid enough, but, you know, not spry out of those direction changes. Cameron Ward has that slippery ability in the pocket, and he's not the fastest guy, um, but he is a guy who can evade and create off-platform and then maintain that velocity off-platform. So, you know, all those things, they stand out with him, and he was incredibly productive at Incarnate Word. I think he just he tore up the F FCS, you know, before moving to Washington State, and then he had a decent year last year. But I think maturation as a passer, you know, is really what you're looking for from him uh, because mechanically, right, we've seen time and time again that free-flowing nature can lead to volatility at the release point, right? It can lead to, you know, kind of inconsistency with your mechanics and accuracy. Uh, so that's shown up for him very much so. And then I think the mental side has room to grow as well. You know, a lot of times he's really just creating out there and he's very good at it. Um, but I don't think he has elite arm strength either. You know, I think he's got a slightly stronger arm than yours maybe, but kind of in that similar bucket where it's not elite, the velocity generation. It's more the arm elasticity and the ability to create throwing windows that helps him out. So I think more maturation as a passer, uh, a little more development on the operational, the mental side. And if we can see that, you know, I think he's got more hip flexibility and change of direction than yours does. So, you know, I could see him maybe challenging for that early round capital. Again, you know, not quite a guy who's going to create consistently, consistently as a running threat, but as a passer, as an off-platform, out-of-structure passer, definitely has that. So, you know, I, I think I would probably grade him. I haven't graded him yet, but were I to run his grade, I think he'd land around yours for me just because they're kind of similar prospects with that, you know, that creative ability, that arm elasticity, but also the lack of elite arm strength and the need for more refinement on the operational side. 
makes a lot of sense to me. It's really funny because we we went through this and and I asked, I was like, you know, maybe we would just talk about quarterbacks today. We we wouldn't go through and actually talk about the games. We would just save all that for Thursday uh, for the the Friday pod. And then we were like, well, can we actually talk about seven quarterbacks for a half an hour? And guess what we did? Um, it was actually six quarterbacks, I think. And we talked about them for a half an hour. It's just Hey, we're long-winded individuals, you and I, Ian. Yeah, we always surprise ourselves with how talkative we are, man. It gets, uh, it, you need to, yeah, it, it gets to the point where we kind of need to give ourselves like the little, the little nudge, like, all right, let's be careful here. But then, you know, we we give that nudge, and it's just like we we go six minutes for each yeah. quarterback. Anyway, so, <laughs> all right, so yeah, let's just quickly get into some of these games, and then we will get out of here. What what game are you most excited for? Most excited for. I want to be careful. I don't go through the prospect matchups too, because we've got a whole other episode for that, right? Yeah, but we're not uh, talking about prospects at all. Literally, don't bring up a single prospect's name. I'll Literally, try not to say a name. Just yeah. talk about the game. All right, this is a challenge for me. But uh, Duke and Clemson, I will say that. I think the trenches is going to be phenomenal in this one on both sides of the ball. Duke O-line versus Clemson D-line. Clemson O-line versus Duke D-line. A ton of talent there. Uh, Duke has a quarterback who was in our top five, who's going to be really, really uh, exciting to watch against that Clemson you defense. Can, you can say their name. No, I can't. <laughs> no, I, I committed to it all, already. There's no going back. Uh, Duke has many wide receivers. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, Clemson. They, do. they, they, do. they play multiple wide receivers on the field at once. Is that what they do? Saying? Yeah, you know, they got that that uh, that 11 personnel, that one, two. They like to mix it up, man. So, no, but I think uh, that's going to be a fun one in the trenches and with the quarterback matchup and then a lot of really talented uh, Clemson defenders in the second and third level. Uh, two guys, I'll say two names, Andrew McCuba, Barrett Carter. They're both top 10 graded on my board. I'm a big fan of what they have to offer. So that's my game to watch. That's the one that I'm circling. Uh, a few really good ones, but that's the one that stands out to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that I have to I, I have to watch. It's Florida State and LSU for me. That's the one. Um, and, and it's because of everything. It's because of both quarterbacks. It's because of the Southeastern Conference against the ACC. You have Florida versus Louisiana. It is going to be a blast. That is going to be Sunday night at 7.30 or maybe 8.30. I'm actually in Texas right now, so sometimes ESPN does the times in, in central time and not eastern time, so I, I don't know what time it is for sure. But I listen, guys, I like to, I like to sleep. Like I, I really like to sleep. I wake up early. I go to bed early. I will watch every waking second of that football game. I am so excited for that. Some of the other games I'm excited for um, on Saturday night, North Carolina and South Carolina, Battle of the Carolinas. Who will win that game? Who has the state um, superiority. advantage? Superiority. Yeah. There yeah. we go. And... Uh, we will have a couple of quarterbacks in that game that are draft eligible and, and highly spoken of. So we have that game with Penn State and West Virginia and another game that we are all looking for earlier in the week. Thursday is Florida and Utah. Any other games? Oh, oh, wait, Dion. Dion's first game at Colorado against TCU. I, what do you expect from Colorado? 
just as a total aside. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see uh, a lot of moving parts, and you know they so had many. a few a few guys who ended up re-entering the transfer portal after the spring game, right? So uh, I think they're gonna take their lumps early on. Uh, I do think that moving to the Pac-12, uh, but Shadur Sanders is a, is a quality quarterback. I think he was one guy who kind of graded in the day three range for me when I watched him. I think mechanically, uh, there's some work to do, but he was very productive at Jackson State, and he's got the stability with Deion Sanders being the head coach. So. You know, I think they're going to take their lumps early on. I think this game against TCU will be a very good barometer for them because TCU is a team that has a lot of talent uh, coming back from last year. Uh, they have some changeover at quarterback, but again, the offensive line is talented. The defense has a lot of athletic players who can make plays on the ball if you give them a chance. So, you know, I think looking at that, TCU is going to be a tough test from a roster standpoint. So I think it'll be a really good barometer early on. And the last question I'm going to ask you, and this is the most important thing that we've talked about today, Iowa is a 25-point favorite against Utah State. Will they score 14 points? <laughs> will, will Iowa's offense score 14 points? It might be 14 nothing, but will they score 14 more? Yeah, so we were talking about the schedule before the podcast and and uh, like teams to watch, and Dalton mentioned Iowa, and I was like, oh, who are they? Will they score more than 14 points? And I, I asked, who are they playing? He's like, Utah State. I'm like, okay, maybe. The answer yeah. is maybe. Uh, yeah, I think um, the defense is going to have all the talent. Cooper DeJean, you know, obviously – uh, Deontay Craig, versatile defensive lineman who, you know, I've hey, got my wh- why are we talking about prospects I'm right sorry. now? I'm sorry, man. It's so easy to, to get into that mode again, man. All right, no more names, but no Iowa's defense, names. Iowa's defense is legit. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what their new quarterback from Michigan can do, uh, who I will not name, Caden McNamara. There we go. I had to, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm going with like 17 points, maybe 20. I think McNamara will help them out a little bit. Okay. So you heard it here first. Take Iowa state to cover. All right, guys, that's all we got for you today. Make sure, again, make sure you guys are giving us five stars. Make sure that you guys are following us wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure that you guys are subscribing to the YouTube channels. And we have so much content coming y'all's way. I'm so excited to get into this college football season. I haven't actually like followed a college football season in years now. Like even when I was doing my draft stuff, I'd catch a game or two here or there, but most of my work was done from the the time of February until April. I am so, so excited to work throughout the entire college football season. As always, guys, I love you. Goodbye.